in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. Wonderful podcast. Thanks for thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out today. Uh, we've got some fun things to talk about, Mitch. Uh, new champions in the NBA. Yeah, the dude. Milwaukee Bucks. First time since 1971. The Fear Milwaukee the deer. Bucks are on top of the NBA. So obviously, will we we will be breaking down Game Seven or sorry, excuse me, Game Six. And just the series as a whole, our thoughts on just the finals, the playoffs, as the uh, NBA season really wraps up here. Uh, as well, we will get into a bit of news and then a new uh, Mount Rushmore. This one will be for Atlanta. Yeah. So this was a curious list. Uh, we'll get to that at the end of the pod, but uh, a little more challenging than I thought it would be. Uh, we'll, uh, you know. We'll share our full thoughts later, but that'll be a fun one. There were some clear and obvious ones, and I feel like uh, after that, though, it got uh, pretty tricky. Pretty yeah, tricky. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, you know, and I think there's there's always bias that comes into these lists. Some of them are pretty straightforward. It's like, yep, those are the guys. That's easy. But uh, mm-hmm. this one took a little uh, of our own spin, so we'll, uh, we'll talk about that at the end. But uh, we've got to start. With the NBA Finals, as the Bucks get it done at home in Game Six, they win 105 to 98 to uh, capture that NBA championship, and it was just an all-time performance once again by Giannis Antetokounmpo. 50 points, 14 boards, five blocks. He was everywhere in this game and he was everywhere in this series Mitch he was all over the game offensively he was all over the game defensively he was the energy he was the focus he was the engine that drove this Bucks team and it always has been since he emerged at a star but we got to see him put a team on his back and lead them to the promised land in a way that we've seen the superstars and the greats of this league do uh, in the years past. Think of, uh, you know, all those years, the the way LeBron carried teams, the way that Kawhi carried the Raptors in that, in that year that they made their run to the finals. I mean, just uh, the most dominant player on both ends of the court, getting it done when he needed it the most. And mind you, that this kid's 26 years old. 
He's younger than you and I, and look what oh, he's yeah. accomplished. Two, MB- two MVPs, a defensive player of the year, a most improved, and now a ring and a finals MVP for Giannis. Uh, this performance last night in particular was incredible, Mitch. Uh, and most notably to me, the free throws. 17 of 19 from the free throw line. Giannis has struggled. He was like 52% in this series. When it mattered most, he stepped up. And the free throws, which is the crutch you know, of Giannis, if you can get him to the line, you have a shot, didn't work. It didn't work in an elimination game, in a game that they needed the win. That's a true superstar who can overcome his weakness when his team needs it and pull them to a victory, and that's what he did. Incredible performance. It was it was, it was inspiring to watch last night. It was an all-time closeout performance. I mean, no one has closed out a game like that in a long time, close out a series, close out a season like that. Um, you have to put it in one of the, yeah, you have to put it as a top five closeout performance of all time. I mean, you can't just drop 50 and not be met, no, noticed as that. You can't just drop 50 and not be recognized as one of the greatest closeout performances in NBA history. You look at the course of the whole um, series and you're in your right, you know, averaging 40 minutes a game, 35 and 13 with five assists, averaging two blocks a game, just a, just a hair under that. Um, you know, he's a he was definitely a top five player for me in the NBA. He's now elevated to a top three player in the NBA right now for me. Um, and he, yeah, he proved that he could carry a team, like you just said. Um, when Guys are struggling when offense goes away. He still finds a way to get his team to the promised land and get that W at the end. And that's what the greats do. And I think that's what was missing from Giannis is we knew how talented he was. And we knew, you know, he could do all these different things. The, the, the perimeter play, the, the perimeter shooting is still a question mark. Okay, but not even all, you know, not all the greats had perimeter shooting ability. I mean, right? cl- cl- turns out Giannis didn't need it to reach this level. Imagine no. if he ever gets it. Yeah. You know what I mean? See you later. (laughs) He produced two all-time finals moments with the block and the alley-oop in game five. Um, He scored 40 points three times in the NBA finals, including 50 in a closeout game. In a closeout game, Mitch, he made one three-pointer. Yeah, he like one jumper. Everything else was at the rim, and he scored 50 points. Yeah, and he's still shooting over 60% from the field with that. It's wild. It's wild. Mitch, you say top three. I think that Giannis is the alpha in the NBA right now. I think this playoff run and this championship has proven it. Nobody is better than him now. And and he was always, you know, he could take over the throne potentially. We always saw it. I mean, he won two MVPs before he's, you know, 25. I mean, that you could see it coming. But until he broke through, till he won that ring, till he carried a team the way he has and said, you know, I am that guy, you couldn't say it. Now you can say it. And so, guess what? He's not just that guy on offense. He's that guy defensively. Nobody could do what Giannis does. He is the Greek freak for a reason. So when you combine the way that he can take over a game on defense and at the same time take over a game on offense and be 26 years old and still have room to improve as a shooter, as an outside threat, as you mentioned, I mean, 
this guy is the best player in the league right now, and everything is comparing to Giannis, in my opinion. He's the new alpha in the NBA. So, healthy Kevin Durant, not as good as Giannis right now. Nope. I, I, I think even, it's Giannis' league now. I think it's Giannis' league now. And Katie, and that doesn't mean that LeBron's not talented and Katie's not talented. LeBron's on his way out. I mean, we all know that. He's a couple years removed sure. you know, from being out. Okay? Sure. KD's not any younger. And maybe, you know, he's obviously going to play longer than LeBron, barring any significant injury. But he's at the end of his career. I mean, who else? Who else is coming for Giannis like this? No one has been able to accomplish what he's accomplished besides those two guys and maybe Kawhi Leonard. But this is Giannis's league to me, not only because of the offense, but because of the defensive impact. I mean, we saw it in this NBA Finals. It's the reason why the Bucs won the championship. It was his dominant offense and his dominant defense. And nobody can reach that level right now. Nobody is as good as Giannis right now. He's the alpha in the league and it's now Giannis's league, and it and I think it's a great thing for the NBA. Look, okay, we'll get back to the Bucks. Let's talk about Giannis for a little bit. We'll get back to the Bucks here in just a minute. I saw this question on first take, and I was really curious to know what your answer to this would be. What would you rather have, the two rings that KD won, or the one ring that Giannis won? Like, what would do you, you mean? Ra- what would I rather have? So, would you rather want a ring the way Giannis did it? Or would you have rather won a ring the way KD did it? Because we talked about like how weak the KD move was. But Giannis stuck with the team that he was drafted with. He he went through the tough stuff. He went through the tough playoff heartbreak. And he stuck with this team and he got guys around him. And he he was a leader of this of this team that finally won a chip. Would you rather have that Giannis ring? Or would you rather have gotten it the way the way KD did it, which was go join a super team? And get a chip that way, and almost a ring chase a little bit, I guess. I don't. Well, first off, I never. I don't think there's anything wrong with what Kevin Durant did. Uh, I don't think it was a weak move. Uh, I two rings are better than one. I, I I don't know. That's that's a weird question for me, if I'm going to be honest, because it was a weird I don't one. Think it, I, was, I don't think it matters. Like, there's different paths to it, and not everybody can be Giannis. You know, not everybody can stick with it through a franchise and win a, and win a chip. You know, a lot of franchises are too dysfunctional to do that. You know, we always blame the superstars for leaving their situations, but not everyone has as good of a situation as Milwaukee has been. And yeah, it's taken some time, but this guy's also been in the NBA for eight years and he's 26 years old. So it takes time to build a winner. You know, now if in two years from now, they still hadn't produced that, he's 28, he's clearly in his prime and he wants to go somewhere else to finally get that, I think that's fine. But I, you know, I, I think for the guys that left, Kevin Durant, could he have stayed in Oklahoma City? Could they have gotten past the Warriors at some point and had a shot? Sure, potentially. But I don't think there's anything wrong with him going there, winning those championships. I don't think it's uh, any less than what Giannis has accomplished, uh, just comparing them, because a ring is a ring. Uh, and it's not easy to get to the NBA Finals, and it's not easy to win the NBA Finals. And if you do that ever, uh, that took a lot of, heart and it took a lot of skill and it took a team coming together whether that was cobbled together in a year or it was built over you know a number of years i mean i just think that Giannis's ring i guess what really what it comes down to Giannis's ring is more impressive than kevin durant's like more impressive than what kd did and I, this goes back to your point of why he's the best player in the nba because he stuck around and he had, he was a part of building this team around him in milwaukee a team that 
didn't have a winning tradition over the last 25 years. Like this still winning tradition is new to Milwaukee, you know, since the seventies, they hadn't wanted, they haven't wanted chip in 50 years. This winning tradition is new. And he was the cornerstone to building this. And I feel like that's a more satisfying ring to have a more satisfying ring to get when you're a part of that turmoil and that build and that struggle to get to here than it is to just go hop on a team that just won 73 games and then go win a chip. So I, I, I guess that's what my, my question was. Like, would you be more satisfied the way KD did it or the way Giannis did it? Giannis it, is way more satisfying to me. It seems weird to have a conversation about satisfaction of winning a championship when neither of us have ever sniffed the opportunity. Uh, I, I and know, but probably it, equally satisfying. I'm sure Kevin Durant doesn't sit there at night and think, am I satisfied enough with my rings that I got in Golden State? I'm sure he feels completely fine about his situation and what he was able to accomplish. So I don't, I, I don't know if satisfaction is the grade that we should be given as far as what's more impressive or what is more, you know, I guess uh, in, you know, more, I guess impressive that, you know, which championship I, I, that's subjective to me. I mean, I like mean, well, Giannis got to go through. I mean, you could, you could make arguments saying that, you know, there was an easy path this year with injuries and the matchups. I mean, we could do this every single year and discount whoever wins it or whoever didn't, but ultimately a ring's a ring and all those are equal to me uh, if I'm being honest. So, okay. I mean, we could, cause we could always, you could say, you know, you could say stuff about Kawhi beating the Warriors. You could say stuff about the Lakers winning last year in the bubble. I mean, like, there's always somebody who was supposed to be there and didn't. There's always somebody who got a quote-unquote easier path. Uh, so, I don't know. I think that's subjective uh, and hard to judge. But, I mean, either way, it's a win for the NBA that Giannis stuck it out, committed to Milwaukee, and it's paid off in a championship. Because now that blueprint is out there. And in a copycat league where people see something done and want to repeat it, we've seen that in the super team era, perhaps Giannis and the success of the Milwaukee Bucks, if it's not just this year, but a continued success, you know, make another finals run. You don't have to win another one, but you know, you get to the finals a couple times, you win one. That's going to show those superstars in smaller markets. If you have the buy-in from the organization, you can do it. Donovan Mitchell, Ja Morant. LaMelo Ball, Devin Booker. I mean, like, there are so many stars that are in good situations but could potentially look to move on from a smaller market. Hopefully, the Bucks and their success will show those stars that you can do it. It's not. It's just as easy as winning a championship with any other team, which is, it's really hard. <laughs> and you need luck and you need, you know, a lot of things to go your way. But, like, it can be done in these markets, even in this era of the NBA. And it's a great story. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Giannis is just, uh, and we were talking about this before we we started, but Giannis is just so easy to root for. He's a great kid. Absolutely. He's an amazing human being. The story of his, just even getting to the NBA, he said his dream was to be an NBA player. Like, that's all he wanted. I mean, he wanted to just be in the league. He never dreamt of these sort of heights. And to see his growth, uh, see what he has become, the sort of role model he is, just a great human being. Just makes you happy. And it's just so easy to root for. Oh, so easy to root for. He's just, I mean, likable in every sense of the term. I mean, just, you know, he's he's selfless. He's um, a, a, a great talent. 
you know, you said uh, humble beginnings, but and with a, but really, you know, a big dream, but in a, with a humble backstory to it of, I just want to be in the NBA. He never really thought about reaching these heights and um, an extremely likable guy. Um, all three, what what a family story too. All three Antetokounmpo brothers have a, have a chip now. So Giannis and Thanasis getting it this year. Um, what's the third brother's name? I'm Costas. Costas winning it last year with the Lakers. Um, I mean, that family, lots of basketball. Uh, That's a lot of hardware in one, lots of, in, in, one, in one household. Lots of basketball hardware going on over Listen, there. Listen, this is the dream LeVar Ball had. Turns out he was dreaming for a Greek family that had three sons <laughs> with, with success. Not uh, his three sons, it turns out. Uh, but I, there's still time for them. I don't think Leandro is going to have a shot, but maybe the other two. Uh, what, are no, they, what, are the, what are the odds that Lavar just like disowns all three sons? He and adopts, adopts the Antetokounmpo. All three, all, all three Antetokounmpo. They're always brothers. my kids. Look at them. The way they play. <laughs> no, it's great. And Giannis is a, is a great guy. Uh, makes you happy for him. Uh, and, you know, it's just little things. Like he's so good at interacting with fans, especially kids. You know, I saw him on the way back to the locker room to celebrate. And as he's walking through the hallway, he stops and interacts with these five, these five children, like, you know, tend to sit there, take a picture. They were like, he walks by them, stops, interacts with every single one of them, gives them each a hug, gives a handshake to every single person standing around all the adults standing around, like, you know, takes time to acknowledge every single person and then walks on, on his way. It's like, bro, you just won a championship. You're the greatest player on earth right now. Like, you can ignore a couple kids to go celebrate. No one's going to care. But Giannis is that type of guy that he took time for them. And that just shows his true character. And he's so easy to root for. It's such a win that this has happened for the NBA. It's such a win that Giannis has brought the Milwaukee Buzz to success. That he could be the face of the league and now has this national stage that we all got to see not only what a great player he was, what a great human being he was. I don't know if you saw this earlier in the week, Mitch, but uh, there was a he, he was asked a question from a reporter in between, I think, game five and game six, uh, asking him about his ego and mindset. He, he, the, the reporter asked, you know, about Giannis and the fact that he didn't really have an ego and he was like a lot of players at your level – you know, don't really figure that out until their 30s. You know, the idea of ego and leaving that behind for the team, but you seem to have figured it out. What did it? What is it? He gave a very profound answer. Uh, in fact, uh, if you haven't, I suggest you look it up because it's applicable to every aspect of life. But here's a, uh, the, a brief summary of what he said. He said, when you focus on the past, that's your ego. So he said, when I'm thinking about what I did in the past, what I've accomplished, that's my ego. I'm just trying to make myself feel better by remembering what I've done. When I focus on the future, it's my pride. That's me thinking about what I'm going to accomplish, all the great things I'm going to do. He said, I try to focus in the moment, in the present, and that's humility. That's being humble. And I thought that that was... Was an extremely profound thing to hear from the mouth of a 26-year-old who is in the midst of a battle in the NBA Finals, you know, you know, has all these things on, this, on the line, and that's what he's thinking about. That's how he put things into perspective. That could be applied to all of us in our lives. You know, the idea of staying present, of staying in the moment, focusing on what's ahead of you instead of looking behind you and looking ahead. Uh, I mean, that to me was so impressive. And it just really sums up what Giannis stands for. And uh, so happy to see him have this level of success. 
so happy to see the Milwaukee Bucks have this level of success. It's so refreshing to see a guy at the pinnacle, like the 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 best player on this season's best team, be at the pinnacle of the league, and still be a man of the people, and still be humble, and still be you know as uh, humble as he is, because that always hasn't been the case. Um, <clears throat> I mean, we saw in the Last Dance, you know, Mike you know, Michael Jordan. Great player, but not a man of the people. Michael loved Michael, and (laughs) and and, you know he 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 didn't have that mindset. He had that ego where he things from the past fueled him. And for some athletes, that's the way it goes. Things from the past sometimes will fuel you, and if that's what it takes to get you going, then that's what it takes. But Giannis is special in the fact that you know, like you said, and what like well, like he said, the things in the past aren't what fuel him. It's it's the it's the stuff that he has to look forward to is what fuels him. And that's his pride. That's what he takes pride in is the next step that he has to take. And uh, Giannis is just, I mean, couldn't have had a more likable guy be at the top of the league right now. No, it's, it's great. And you say a uh, man of the people, Mitch, I don't know if you caught that this morning, we're recording this Wednesday. Uh, he's on IG live in the drive through at Chick-fil-A. He's got the championship trophy with him because, like, what else are you doing on your Wednesday morning after you win the NBA Finals? He ordered 50 chicken minis, not 49, not 51, 50 for the points that he put up. And then this is what got me, Mitch. Then he orders a large half Sprite, half lemonade, no ice. I'm like, this guy's one of us. He knows. You got to order no ice in the drive-thru. They load that shit up. That's exactly what my wife orders at Chick-fil-A. Half Sprite, half lemonade, no ice. I send it to her. I'm like, this is why you love Giannis so much. He's just like, he goes to Chick-fil-A like the rest of us, even after you've won an NBA Finals. It was great. It's just another moment of like, this is this is the type of guy that we're talking about. And uh, just so easy to root for. So happy for him. And it's just the beginning. Like, This ain't the last we see of Giannis in the NBA Finals. And you know what? I welcome it. Guess what? He's great entertainment in the NBA Finals. Turns out he's one of the best players in the league. He's the best player in the league. I'd like to see him in more NBA Finals, please. So uh, I think, you know, it's going to be fun to see where the rest of his career takes him because he's already accomplished so much. I know. It was funny. Like, you know, we got these final stars. There's a lot of people you know, griping about how we don't have the big stars. We don't have the big stars in the finals. This is a tragedy. You know, the finals are going to suck because we don't have our big stars. Turns out Giannis is the champion that we don't deserve, but the champion we needed. Yeah, and, it's, yeah. and, and and Giannis is now on top of the world. He's on top of the league. Um, and he is the next face of the league. If he's yeah. not already, he's the next one. So. Yeah. It's uh, it's great. And, uh, you know, what he's accomplished so far in his career puts him on a trajectory, Mitch, where, I mean, he's probably just if he never wins another ring, never wins another MVP, continues at all star level for the rest, you know, for the length of his career. I mean, he's already probably a top 20 player all time, just physically in his what he's been able to accomplish. He has the potential to be top five. He has the potential to be like even better than that. I mean, are you think, saying, are you, think are you about saying he all has I'm saying, champ, he has all I'm saying 
is look at I mean we watched him play. The dude's 26 years old. I'm just saying like oh man. There, there's another 10 years of prime, you know, barring health issues or anything. There's 10 more years of what can he do now that he's tasted this level of success. Once those guys like LeBron, KD, Curry, MJ, once those guys tasted it, they were always going for it. And that's going to be honest now. He's never going to be satisfied till he gets back and wins another one. And a guy like that, as talented as he is, with as much room to grow as he does have still, I, sky's the limit. Sky is literally the <laughs> limit, and it's just exciting. It's just exciting. It, yeah, this, uh, you know, I'm not the biggest basketball fan in the world. I, I keep tabs on it and keep up to date with it, but Giannis makes me a basketball fan. He makes me want to be a basketball fan because he's so exciting. I mean, two all-time Finals moments. Yeah, yeah two. In and the then same he's going, finals. In it's the same finals. One. Within a week of each other, he had two <laughs> all-time game, finals. Game I never realized. I guess I, I I knew his wingspan was long. And I think I told you this the other night when we were talking. We were hanging out and talking. I was like, you know, I just didn't notice how, phys- how much of a physical freak he was. Like, I knew he was the Greek freak. But until that alley-oop, I didn't realize how much of a physical freak he actually is anatomically speaking. Right. He was behind the backboard and still throws his ball touching rim. And I'm like, while oh he's my getting God. shoved by Chris Paul. You know? Oh my God. Like this I guy. love Drew Holiday on the play. He's like, I literally, I saw Giannis and I threw it as high as I could. That is literally what he said. As high as I could. And it's like, yeah, when you have Giannis, that's exactly what you do. Cause that, only Giannis catches it that high and throws it down. I mean, the the best way I can compare it is like that's what Chris Johnson was in football. You throw it as high as you can because you know he can get there. Giannis, you, they know he can get there. So right. Throw it up there. You know he's going to get to it. Yeah. That's it was, insane. Uh, it's, insane. it's nuts. Uh, an iconic uh, performance by Giannis. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've talked at length about him, but I do want to recognize the Bucks in general. Uh, great team effort. And Chris Middleton really showed out. He was consistent throughout these uh, throughout the, this finals. Uh, Twenty four points a game for Chris Middleton. Forty four percent from the field, thirty five from three. Not super efficient, but he's not a super efficient scorer. But what makes Chris Middleton the perfect complement to Giannis? Why they were able to have success is that when they needed the big shots down the stretch, they could go to Chris Middleton and he could get them a mid range jumper. And he had one last night with about a minute left, and it was wet. It was wet. This little step back, almost just just shy of three point line, little step back mid range jumper, and it hit the net and it put him up. And that was like. That was a shot where it's like, yeah, that this is over. They did it. And it was Middleton who makes that shot because Giannis doesn't have the jumper. But Middleton stepped up when they needed him. He had big games when they needed him uh, and ultimately, you know, was a huge part of their success. So Chris Middleton, well done. And Drew Holiday, only one good offensive performance. Points-wise, that was game five. Game five, you finally put it together. Really struggled on offense throughout, but... That doesn't take away from his excellent defense. I mean, he had Chris Paul and Fitz. He had Chris Paul and Fitz, and, and and it's a huge reason why they won, is Chris Paul not being able to operate the level he was in the Western Conference Finals and throughout the playoffs. He was a great facilitator, averaged over nine assists a game throughout the finals, so finding guys when they needed to, took too many shots, should have tried less on offense, should have just 
gave, gave them the ball up more, uh, in my opinion. But in the end, it didn't matter. Uh, and they and he did what they needed him to do, which they brought him in to lock down on defense and take that number one option away from whoever they were playing. And he played that role beautifully in this NBA Finals and deserves a lot of credit for that. You know, this Bucks team is a lot like that Bulls team of the or of the mid '90s. Now that I look at it, they have their MJ. That's Giannis, Chris Middleton. He's the Scotty. He's a great secondary player, kind of streaky. Not necessarily a reliable score, but he steps up when you need him to. Drew Holiday, Ron Harper, the defensive mastermind. Not necessarily going to be the guy that you count on offensively. Pat Connaughton. There's your Steve Kerr. The great. Hey, that's just because they're white. It's too easy. <laughs> Well, Pat Connaughton. I'm just saying, there's a lot of similarities. Who was, who was the Bobby Portis? That had to be Dennis, but that's later on, Bulls. I know that, but the crazy, wide-eyed, he might actually punch somebody person. <laughs> I mean, Bobby Portis looks like he's always just co- been caught committing a crime. Okay, I don't know. He is. He was, and he was amazing last night. He was exactly what they needed, but. What a wild, what a wild guy. What a wild story. And he showed up big last night too. Brooke Lopez, the Luke Longley of this team. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, oh, I man. mean, I, I, you know, that's probably making a stretch as far as drawing similarities, but you know, um, yeah, this Bucks team was fantastic, you know, throughout the course of the you know whole series, even the two games that they dropped, uh, there were bright spots to take away from it um, on the defensive end, maybe not so much on the offensive end, but um, contributions from all around. Um, this is a team that is not going anywhere anytime soon. And if they could get that one more big name guy, if they can just get that one guy, um, they're competing with the. Do Nets they need a big name guy? What are they like? What do you think they need? Uh, this? What I don't. Do you mean well, big I don't. Name guy? I guess. I, I okay. I may jump the gun. I don't. May, I don't think they need that one big name guy. I think that. Well, is is this a big three? Is this a big three that they sure. have now? Sure. I you mean, think that, so? this is the big three they've committed to, right? I mean, they did okay. that with the trade last year for Drew Holiday. I guess they gave up yeah, significant that's... draft capital to get him, and clearly it worked. So they're not altering the core as it is. Could they be better? Absolutely. I mean, first off, uh, you know, the Bucks were without a starter throughout this entire playoffs. Dante DiVincenzo who's not, you know, a huge reliable guy, but that's a guard who's good on defense, who can hit outside shots that they sorely missed at times. Hence why Pat Connaughton got so many minutes. You could have substituted him with DiVincenzo and that would have been an upgrade. So getting DiVincenzo back, you know, that's big. Uh, Other bigs that can play around Giannis, you could certainly add. You could add more uh, 3 and D sort of guys. You know, Phoenix is chock full of the Jay Crowders and the Cam Johnsons and the Mikhail Bridges. The Bucks could use a guy, you know, another guy like that uh, on their roster. So there's definitely ways that they could improve, no doubt. But, I mean, this is Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and whatever else the roster is moving forward. And I would expect it looks pretty close to what we saw this year uh, in the coming season. Yeah, I don't see much change here. I, I don't know. I guess I'm just forecasting. And really the question I should have asked was, is this a big three? Instead of just assuming that it's not because uh, 
sure looks like a big three. To me. Yeah, I mean, whether we consider it a big three or not, the the Milwaukee Bucks do, and they're paying Drew Holiday like he's a member of the big three, and they've committed to those guys financially and just in the team building, you know, like those that is their foundation. So, uh, I mean, and, and again, based on winning the finals this year, they're going to find it a success, and I'd be surprised if they moved away from it. Uh, Mitch, let's talk about the Phoenix Suns for a bit on this side of it. Yeah. Uh, an unexpected year for the Suns. You know, yeah. bring Chris Paul in, and I think a lot of people thought this will be a playoff team, could be really, really good, but, you know, we haven't, se- we haven't seen it yet. We don't know exactly what it'll look like. And it turns out they were really, really good, and they were able to make it to the finals out of the West. It almost seems like they were a year early, though. So I I think if you're Phoenix, great experience. And the first this is the first trip to the playoffs for Devin Booker, for DeAndre Ayton, for Mikhail Bridges, you know, for Cam John, for all those guys. It's for for Chris Paul. Well, it's the finals at least, but like you know, most of these guys hadn't even played in the playoffs, let alone the finals. So to make this sort of run the first time. That's great. It's only going to help in the future. It's only going to build that intensity. Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, all those guys are going to go this summer and think, I fell short. Not going to do it again. Not going to do it again. And they're going to put in the necessary work, and they're going to commit themselves over the offseason to improving where they had their glaring weaknesses. They're going to push that game to the next level, and they're going to be back next season with a vengeance. Now, the problem for the Suns is that the Lakers should be better the Warriors should be better, the Jazz should be better, and the Nuggets should be better, and probably the Mavs should be better. So guess what? Everyone around you is probably going to be uh, better, and depending on where Damian Lillard goes, you know, they, that could that could have a factor. I mean, Ben Simmons, like, there, there, there is going to just be more competition next year. So yes, the future is still bright for the Suns, but... This does feel like a missed opportunity. I'm not going to lie. Because when you consider the Nets being healthy potentially next year and what that trio looks like, how good your Western Conference is getting around you, the sort of breaks that you had this year facing a hobbled Lakers team, you know, facing a hobbled Clippers team, you know, facing a hobbled Nuggets team, like... You, you had three injury-riddled teams that you're basically be able to cruise through to the finals, and you put up a valiant effort. I'm not taking anything away from that, but this seems like a really good opportunity that was missed by the Suns, and it's just not easy to get back there. It's just not, and you don't have the same sort of luck uh, the next season as you did the year the year past. So I that would be my only worry for the Suns, but... Great foundation for the young players as they try to build a winning culture moving forward. First playoffs in eight years. Finals run first time since the 90s. Uh, great, uh, great for the, great for Phoenix. Do you think that Phoenix? Do you think that Chris Paul will be in Phoenix next year? I don't know why he would leave. I know okay. there's other options. I know the Lakers have been thrown out there. I know there's other other options, but like you just got there. And you came up short, and you could chalk that up to experience. Say, we run it back, same team next year, we could probably be right back there. And guess what? Now we know what to do. We know how to hold on to the games at the end. We have the mental fortitude to get past it now. So I would be really surprised if he left. I think I would be too. And, you know, it, it just 
<clears throat> and I just ask that because of the rumors of other teams that are might be pursuing Chris Paul or the other teams that Chris Paul might be interested in going yeah, to. He, he, um, I, I, he will be – he either is a free agent or he can turn down a player option to become a free agent. So either way, there's a possibility for Chris Paul. Uh, and, and, and there will be suitors, undoubtedly. Right, right. Um, yeah, not to take away from anything that the Suns did, but you you hit the nail on the head. They faced multiple hobbled teams. Um, and, you know, this was a team that we did not expect to be in the NBA Finals. We didn't expect them to even be sitting at the seed that they were. I think you and I both had them as a, a lower-seeded playoff team um, and yeah, we, I think solid we, playoff team, but you know, not a and we, contender. I, I, we may have even made the comment of, we might be a year early on them, you know? Um, and I feel like that's the right assessment is that this team was just a year early. Um, still tons of youth with Devin Booker, Deandre Ayton, Michael Bridges, um, Cameron Johnson, Cameron Payne, uh, Dario Saric too. Also a part of that, a part of that team. He's still only 26. Um, you know, the, 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 the Suns aren't going anywhere, but, you, but you're absolutely right that the rest of the West is getting better. The Nets will come back healthy. Um, well, the rest of the West, except for uh, the Clippers, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But, um, you know, I, I just hope that this finals loss, people don't taint Chris Paul's legacy because he lost in a, in a finals now. Like, everyone's saying, you know, he's, he's a top-five point guard of all time. He finally gets to a finals and he loses. I I really hope that people don't think that this hurts his legacy because it doesn't. It, it doesn't yeah. in my mind, at least. No, I, I'm with you. I don't think it does at all. I mean, the fact that he went to one is great. I don't think he needed to for his quote-unquote legacy either way. But I think this is only a positive for him. It, and to me, it's a wash because, like, if John Stockton won a finals, are we going to think more of John Stockton if he had won a finals? Probably, like, probably not, right? Oh, like I would, I would say a little bit, yeah, because he would, ha- because of who maybe. he had to compete with. I mean, well, I guess if he beats MJ in the finals, sure, I guess sure. the context matters but, there. And right? So you would, so you would think about like who he yeah. would have to beat next year, like you know, if who he'd have to sure. beat to get there. And the, the the way the NBA is distributed at right now, right? Like if yes, they beat the Nets would, next year, KD and Harden and that Kyrie, boost, that boosts his damn. legacy, right? Right, exactly. Sure. So sure. And, okay, and, and but so, it doesn't and, hurt if it, it doesn't, if no. he loses. No, and I don't think, and I you know because you lost to the face of the NBA, you lost the best player in the NBA, and a good and a fantastic supporting cast around him. Um, and not only that, but you played exceptional throughout the whole. Series. I mean, Chris Paul was well. He he was not good in Game Three and Four. And well, I turned it around towards the end, and he had great Game One, Game Two. But he was. I mean, he was the turnover, very the turno- bad. The, the turnovers were an issue. He was very bad, three, and he doesn't three. look healthy. I don't believe he's one hundred percent healthy right now, and that could be a huge part of it. You know, but that's also and that and, th- and that too, Mitch, is part of the reason why I. I don't know. I just it makes me feel like the Suns missed an opportunity because what happens next year when Chris Paul is a year older and he already struggled with staying healthy throughout the whole playoff run? How much are they going to play him in the regular season? Are they going to worry about their seeding or is it going to be about getting the playoffs, keep Chris Paul healthy so we have him for the playoff run? And then what happens when you're the five seed and you just pulled Denver, who's healthy, at, you know, and you've got 
They've got home court advantage. Like you're not, it's not a great situation to be in, even if Chris Paul is healthy. So, and then does he stay healthy throughout the playoffs? That was clearly an issue this year. So that like when, when the whole team is good and you have an older veteran player who's elevating the play of everybody else, when he's not there, that you're just not the same team. And that's what worries me about the Suns is can can Booker and Ayton and the rest of the team make a big enough leap that they have to rely on, that they can rely on Chris Paul less than they did this year. Because to me in the playoffs, they relied heavily on Chris Paul, his dominance as a ball handler, as a facilitator, as an orchestrator. And when the Bucks disrupted that, the series flipped. When Drew Holiday and the Bucks disrupted that on defense, the series flipped for the Bucks, And... They need the other guys to be able to carry the team to victories without him, whether he's on the court or not. So the injury thing that, you know, that's just something that always is going to be there, especially with the player at his age. Yeah. I mean, what, he's 35, going to be 36 next year. Yeah. You know, health becomes an issue at some point. And um, thankfully he stayed pretty healthy throughout the entirety, you know, throughout the majority, if not the entirety of his career, um, and you know, now he's at the age where he starts to break down and that happens. And, um, but yeah, you're right. I think it was a missed opportunity for the Suns. Um, I still had the bucks and six. I will say I called that. So, yeah. um, you know, I don't, I don't think I, they weren't my favorite to win to begin with, but they definitely missed an opportunity because I think this was probably the team they had the better shot of beating outside of the nets. So, Yeah. I mean, uh, listen, I would not be surprised if the Suns are back in the NBA Finals next year. I wouldn't, uh, but it will be it will be trickier. And let's sort of spend a little bit of time here just sort of projecting ahead at next year. Odds makers have the Nets, the Brooklyn Nets, as the title favorite for the 2021-2022 season, which makes sense with a healthy Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden. No matter what the rest of the roster looks around that, that is a formidable trio, and it's going to be the favorite until they prove to us that uh, they can do it or they can't do it. Can they stay healthy? Can they not stay healthy? I mean, they only played eight regular season games together, that trio last year. So we have no idea yet how good that Nets team can really be. So next year will be a very interesting exercise for that. Obviously, Lakers' second highest odds. Uh, they'd be the favorite out of the West. Health with LeBron and, and, and AD is going to help them there. Bucks are third. Uh, and then, you know, the typical teams after that. You're going to see the Suns. Uh, you're going to see the Jazz, the Nuggets, the Heat. Um, interesting, you know, Sixers, depending on what they do with Ben Simmons or not. Uh, it's, uh, you know, very early, but I guess... You know, besides the Nets, Lakers, Bucks, the sort of teams, is there another team or two that sort of sticks out as that should be a team that maybe makes a leap? Maybe a Suns-like leap, a team that we didn't expect to be a quote-unquote contender that put themselves in a tier above, uh, you know, next season. What do you think? I'm still going to ride that Mavs train. I still like the Mavs. Okay. Um, I For me... Outside of them, there's not really anyone else that really stands out. The thing that I really hate is that we're just going to write the Nets in as the favorite. Um, and it's because, like you said, they only played eight regular season games together. And a great eight games. But with three names of that profile together, this isn't like, you know, th- with three names of that profile together, we don't know if that works. We don't know if that works. It looks great on paper. 
But, you know, even when they had three healthy, Kyrie was, uh, I don't, you know, didn't want to be there. So he didn't show up for a few games. And then James Harden gets hurt. Then it, it just seems silly to me to write someone in as the favorite purely based off pa- purely based on paper when we've already seen what the Bucks can do with a fully healthy team. And I under- I mean, I understand why they're written in. It just seems sure. silly to me to write someone in like that that early when we don't really know well, if that big three is going to work at all. I mean, but we I mean, so take this into consideration that even with a hobbled James Harden and no Kyrie Irving, the Nets took the Bucks to 7 games. It took 7 games for this Bucks team to beat the Nets this playoffs. And that was with a hobbled James Harden and Kevin Durant, no Kyrie Irving. So you tell me there's a healthy Harden and Kyrie Irving's actually playing in that series, we're all probably going to take the Nets. That's just a safe assumption. So I think there is a reason. I think last year the hype around the Nets was a little too early. We were projecting the acquisition of a third star, but they didn't have Harden yet. They only had Kyrie and KD. We hadn't seen KD play a game with the Nets up until that point because he didn't play all the year prior. Now we at least know baseline two of those stars are there that's a really good team that's a contender team if all three stars are there and they're healthy and they play well together that is a championship team so that's sort of the the odds on you know you bet on the health three guys there it's going to be championship level even if it's only two of those guys it's going to be really really good contender level team uh so i think that's where it's at with the nets you know but yeah. health is obviously a question, you know, and all those guys have struggled with injuries throughout their careers. And clearly last season was, a, you know, that was a big storyline. So who knows? Who knows what it looks like? You know, that's what I mean. Uh, health is everything because the Lakers were the odds on favors going into the season. And clearly health was the reason why they didn't have a shot to repeat, you know. So that remains to be seen. But so is, besides the Mavs, is there another team or is it just Dallas that you're really looking at as a team to make the leap? You know, just uh, to me, it's Dallas. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, as far I mean, as far true. as teams that could make the playoffs, we talked about this last week. If the Kings were to make some sort of move for Ben Simmons, they might make it into the playoffs. Um, but other than that, there's not really a big team that makes the leap, makes the leap the way that the Mavs potentially could. Uh-huh. I'm I a would big say, buyer in the Mavs. Sure, yeah, I would say don't sleep on the Atlanta Hawks. Because they didn't just make the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, And I know, again, in their situation, you know, they had a quote-unquote easier path. But, you know, they they earned their way. Tough battle against the Knicks. Tough battle against the Sixers. Put up a good fight against the Bucks. They'll be back, and they'll be competitive. If it's not this year, the next couple years. Uh, But I think... You know, let's not forget about Atlanta just because Brooklyn's going to be better next year, you know, depending on what the Sixers do. I think we got to really think about Atlanta and how good that team is. And to me, I think the team that I'm most disappointed in this year, the team that should be kicking itself the most watching the Suns in the NBA Finals this year is the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz were the best team in the NBA, and it could have been them in that NBA Finals against the Bucks. And they probably would they probably would have lost in six to Giannis too in the same in the same series. You know, obviously it would have gone differently for them because it's a different team, but in the same series they probably lose to Giannis. But it could have been you. 
building those playoff scars, making that final stage, but not reaching it all the way and having that hunger to get back there. But they blew it in the second round. And I just, I don't believe they're going to come back with their tail between their legs. Uh, they came back with a vengeance after the blown 3-1 lead to the Nuggets and they had the best record in the NBA last year. Donovan Mitchell has the capability of being super, superstar. I think we're going to see super, superstar Donovan Mitchell next year. So don't be surprised if Jazz are in the NBA Finals next year. Uh, they were, they should have been there this year, in my opinion. They blew it, but I don't see them blowing it again. Oh, well, I, I guess another one that just crossed my mind, too, is don't sleep on the Nuggets either with a healthy Jamal Murray added into that. Development of Michael yeah. Porter, you know, that's a big three right there with those three guys. And they could be a team that makes moves, too. They really could, you know. Yeah. They're a team that has a, a an MVA, MVP in Nikola Jokic that could feel the pressure of, we need to make this run now. We just saw Giannis. Who's our Drew Holiday? Who are we bringing in to solidify the team, you know, and to push us over the edge? That could be the Denver Nuggets this offseason. You know, don't count that out. So I think it's a great pick. Yeah. Um, all righty, Mitch. Well, that's uh, that's it for the NBA Finals and the sort of uh, summation of the season here. It's been great stuff. NBA Draft is tomorrow evening, Thursday, uh, as the offseason uh, you know, begins and then free agency. So we will obviously be covering that uh, as it goes on. But let's take a break right now, hit a mid-roll. When we come back, we'll hit a bit of news and then our Mount Rushmore for the week, the city of Atlanta. So stick around and we'll be right back. Thanks for checking out the Sports Hour today. We appreciate you wherever you're listening. But if you haven't already, we recommend you check us out and give us a listen on Anchor. Anchor allows us to provide the best product to you. You can go support the Sports Hour and become a permanent part of the show, like my saint of a mother, Sammy, and my father, David, did. You can even leave us voice messages with your thoughts and opinions that we can use on the show. Prove to us that you know better than me and Mitchmo. Moral of the story, people, be more like Sammy and David. Go find us at anchor.fm slash the sports hour guys and become a part of the conversation. What the hell are you waiting for? Welcome back to the sports hour with Mitchmo and Dallin. Uh, just got done kind of wrapping up the NBA season as a whole. Uh, like Dallin said, before the break, NBA draft tomorrow night. So get hyped up for that. But Dallin, before we go any further, I think we have some news to talk about. That we do, my friend. All right, let's get into it. Let's get into the news! Ooh! All right. Get into the news. Dallin, big news in Los Angeles, and not for the Lakers, for the Clippers. Yes, uh, Kawhi Leonard, who uh, was injured in the Jazz Clippers series, missed all the Western Conference Finals, uh, had surgery to repair a partial tear of his right ACL. Uh, the team did not announce what his injury was when he got injured, nor they, did they ever say why he remained out and whether he would remain out for the whole playoffs once he got injured. They sort of just never said anything, and it was just assumed he's probably out and he's not coming back. It wasn't on the bench. You know, it was, it was clearly injured. This, this was the injury. This is significant news because Kawhi has a history of injuries. 
the knee problems that he had in San Antonio were a big part of why he left in the first place. The disagreement between his team, his camp, and the way that his injury was handled and the way that the team wanted to handle it. Clearly, him and the Clippers were on the same page because this didn't get out for weeks. <laughs> Until after the series is over, did they finally announce, yes, he had this. Also, he's already had surgery for it. Uh, the timetable for him to return, though, is what's most interesting. This type of injury takes... Uh, I've heard at the at the minimum 10 months. So we're talking April. April potentially to come back. So that is the beginning of the NBA playoffs next season. So if Kawhi was even going to play next season, it would be basically to start the NBA playoffs, which means that the Clippers will be without Kawhi Leonard in basically the entirety of next season. What does the clip what do the Clippers look like next year? How good can they be with Paul George carrying the team with whatever else the roster looks like around Kawhi Leonard, who by himself takes up forty million dollars of the salary cap and will not be contributing in the slightest throughout the season. So the Clippers are in a really tough spot. Now Kawhi has a player option for this year. Could pick it up, become a free agent at the end of next season. He'd be eligible then. He'd have the bird rights with the Clippers. He could sign the five-year, $200 million extension, the max max that he can get with the Clippers if he wanted to return. He could exercise his player option this year and stick with the team and then hit free agency next year, do whatever he wants. He could deny the player option, try to re-sign a contract right now with the team before he gets injured if they want to re-sign him. He could go somewhere else this year if he declined the player option and somebody was willing to pay him to sit on the bench for an entire year like we just saw with Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets. So this Kawhi situation is very interesting. They fall short last year in the playoffs. They get to the Western Conference Finals without him this year. Fall short in the Western Conference Finals. Do the Clippers want him back? Absolutely. They've made that investment already. They, they, you have to be in on Kawhi Leonard. Does Kawhi want to be there? Who the hell knows? Nobody knows what Kawhi's thinking, Mitch. He doesn't even know what he's thinking. His brain is computing how to like breathe and smile and look like a normal human being on a, on a second to second basis. He doesn't have time to think about where he wants to play basketball. So I, this situation is interesting, particularly with the context of him not playing at all next season and now being into his career with two major injuries like this could be concerning for the Clippers, could be concerning for potential uh, suitors for Kawhi. It's a fascinating situation. You know, it's, it's, uh, it is really fascinating because we all know that Kawhi is a robot, and I didn't know that robots had ACLs. It turns so, out. Turns real, out. He's a realistic cyborg. It turns out, you know, he does have, <laughs> like, emotion and, and ACLs and all that stuff. Um, look. Well, I don't know about emotions, but he apparently has a right, uh, a right ACL. So there can, you, can you do a good Kawhi laugh? Uh, I no. Mean, <laughs> that was almost like too much though it's like even more so it's it's very yeah it's very it's, uh, it's an awkward laugh uh if you ever want a good laugh just like just you know youtube uh Kawhi leonard laugh it's a good it's a good watch um look i think he rides out this year with the clippers and then i would take the player option and, you know, if you re-sign with the Clippers, then you re-sign with the Clippers, right? Like, there's that option. Uh, I think you have to see what direction the franchise is going to go because, you know, PG-13 is not getting any – he's not getting any younger. You know, Paul George is not getting any younger. 
Kawhi Leonard wanted to go to a winner. He recruited Paul George to go to Los Angeles. And if he's not going to be there and Paul George is the main guy there, you know, what direction are they going to go without him? And I feel like that's going to be a, a, a telling thing for Kawhi. So it seems to me that, you know, take take the player option at the end of the year and see what what the landscape holds. If you re, if you end up re-signing with the Clippers because PG's going to be there and maybe they go, hey, we're really going to commit to you coming off of this injury. We're going to get you some help around you. Then you, you go back to L.A. But if there's a better option outside of that, I don't know what that option could be. I mean, that's forecasting two years out. And the NBA well, is Well, it's just so- next season. So his player option is this offseason. So oh, he could become oh, so he, a full free agent this year if he declines oh, okay, his so player I, option. Okay, so I mis I misunderstood it. Then that's my bad. Um, then still take it. I mean, still take it. See see what they're going to commit to you. Um, I think it's a great plan. I think it's a great point you bring up because you could always if resign. they suck without you. Like if they go the whole regular season and PG wins thirty five games, then yeah, you probably want out. Like that's not a good infrastructure around you if they can't even make the playoffs or can't get a six seed without you then maybe you don't want to be there long term so yeah i mean i think you can bring up a great point there yeah i mean is there a better fit for you i mean could be miami's interested miami is Miami. miami Miami is interested we know that the knicks are interested we know that would they be able to retain Jimmy Butler with Kawhi Leonard? Yes, that would be the whole intention. That, now you'd be trading be, everything else for. I mean, it would be Jimmy Bam. It'd be Jimmy Bam and Kawhi. You'd get rid of Tyler Hero. You'd be selling Duncan every, Robinson. Duncan you Robinson. Would be, yeah, yeah. Everybody you got is yeah. gone. You know, you would do the Nets thing basically, which is gut the team for three guys and piece the the you know piece it around them. But hey. I mean, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard—not a bad big three to have. So that's a pretty. That's a, that is a all-time intensity. That's a hell of a three. defense, bro. Holy cow! That you know? is like that's an intense big three. I yeah. mean, so you know, yeah. I mean, Kawhi. You know, as much as I love like team loyalty and stuff like that in sports, like this is one of those moments where you got like in and in basketball, I think more so than any other sport. Um, you have to see what they're willing to build around you. Yeah. And if Kawhi's not going to get any help and, and the, he doesn't see that franchise moving forward and trying to get better, then, yeah, take the player option and go try your, you know, go to Miami, sit on the bench for a year because you're well, going to be healing Yeah, up. I don't think he would leave this offseason, though. That's the thing. Like, that's what we're talking about. If he accepts the player option, he's on the Clippers next season. And they're paying him to sit on the bench and not play a game. So that's what I was. And then okay, in so 2022, that's... he would be a free agent with the ability to sign anywhere he wants, including returning okay, to so, the Clippers. So then I did understand it. I was just I was talking about it in a way that sounded different. Then. Sure. Yes. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. So. But yeah, you're right. I think the option is to pick up the player option this season, have the Clippers pay you to not play, see what they do in your absence. And if that's a team that looks good and you're like, yeah, I plug right back in and we're right there at the finals, then then you re-sign for the five-year max, max money you can. You get all your bread and you give it a good good go. But if the team looks dysfunctional without you next year and you know that Miami will bring will give you the max and you know that this other team will give you the max in 2022 as a free agent, then you do that. You know, then, mean- you, can, then you can depart – and you say, listen, it didn't work out. Three years there, it didn't work out. You know, bubble one year, 
uh, you know, my injury the second year, and then I didn't miss the whole third year. It is what it is, you know. I, I mean, if I'm Kawhi, like, I saw what playoff P was. Extremely streaky. He's not yeah. that kind of guy that you can rely on night in, night out in the playoffs. That I, I mean, I personally wouldn't want to play around if I if I'm trying to draft a guy that I can rely on night in, night out to be that guy in the playoffs. You know, Paul George is not that guy for me. So I yeah, think maybe, I mean, but maybe you're even, that guy if you're Kawhi, right? I mean, look at like a Chris Middleton. But that's but, the same level of player as a Paul George to me. Chris Middleton could go for thirty five. But he also could be, you know, nine of twenty, nine of thirty from the field. But are and they we getting saw to a that final, from Paul George? But if they get, are they getting to the finals with that? Because the same reason LeBron left Cleveland was because, yeah, he could do that and he can get him there. But what put him over the edge is when he went to Miami and he had guys that could support well, around LeBron him. Well, LeBron had nobody in Cleveland. Paul George isn't nobody. Well, Dwayne Wade's a hell of a big upgrade from, from. From who? Zedronis Ogalskis? Like, any, we're not from, talking no, about no, the same no, person saying, here. No, no, but that's what I'm saying is, like, from anyone in Cleveland. Well, yeah, but I think Paul George, I, we're not comparing Paul George to anybody on those early Cavs teams. I, I, that's I got, what we're talking hold, about. Hold on, hold on, I got Hold on, hold on, Playoff Jimmy Butler is way better than playoff Paul George is what I'm saying. And if you got a team that could get there regardless, I'd take playoff Jimmy Butler over playoff Paul George, and I'd want to go play over there regardless. With the defensive addition of Bam Adebayo. So you get another big guy there that can help supplement on the defensive end. So, like, I I don't want to stay in L.A. Regardless, regardless is what you're saying. Regardless. You, you you think that they've proven enough that it's not it's not a, not the right fit. Not the right fit. Huh. Interesting. I don't, you know, here's the thing. If you're always chasing a better situation, you're never going to find the better situation, in my opinion. And Kawhi has been chasing a better situation since he left San Antonio. And he honestly could have resigned in Toronto, and you know they could have been in the finals this year. Like they could have, you know, could have been could have been in another finals, and he could have had a shot with that team. Like you know, that was a, that was a fine situation. That wasn't bad. He chose to go to the Clippers, build this team, and it's not a bad situation. Again, I think next year's key: how good they are without you over the course of a season is going to tell a lot, and that's going to be important in that decision making. But if, if he's looking at Paul George's playing well next year they're a good team but uh jimmy butler's better or this guy's better i gotta like i just don't think it'll ever work out for him if he's always chasing that but i also don't know if the clipper situation is great i think the clippers are cursed as a but franchise it, but, I, mean, I think they should move out of la so i you know if i'm Kawhi, i'm not staying there but as far as situation goes lots of depends on next season how they look without him, how the team develops. Some of the younger talent needs to continue to develop, like Trey Mann, who, uh, or Terrence Mann, excuse me, who had a great, you know, uh, you know, coming out in the playoffs, especially in that game against the Jazz. Can he continue to develop? Can some of the younger guys continue to develop and prove that there's a strong core around Kawhi? That's going to be important next season. But regardless, Clippers, expectations, you got to temper him for next season because Kawhi is not playing, and even if he does, it's at the very end of the season, and he's not, you know, it's like 10 games. So it's going to be Paul George and whoever else they put around him next year, uh, and that'll be an interesting team to watch. Yeah, you are right. They need to get out of L.A. Just go back to San Diego, be the San go, Diego Clippers. Go back to San Diego, absolutely. Uh, Mitch, couple uh, NBA coach hirings that we want to mention here. A uh, couple, uh, two of the last uh, three openings. The only opening right now still is the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, but the Magic hired Jamal Mosley. He was a assistant coach with the Dallas Mavericks for the past seven seasons. 
uh, and he becomes a first-time head coach in the NBA. Uh, Mosley's 42 years old. He's been fifth, spent 15 years as an assistant, as I mentioned, with Dallas and previously with Cleveland and Denver. So uh, this is a uh, this is another young coach on the rise, uh, another uh, minority head coach, an African-American head coach. Six of the seven head coaches hired in this cycle are African-American head coaches, which I, you know, I know for the league and players is really important as far as representation uh, and in, you know, the sort of voices in the room. So, you know, young guy, first opportunity. We've mentioned this with a lot of these guys this year, Mitch, a lot of guys getting their first shot coming as an assistant head coach, you know, early forties, don't really know what to expect. You and I have no familiarity with this guy in particular. No reason to believe he'll be great or horrible. So we'll see. But hopefully this young voice in, in as a head coach, this young uh, you know head coach with his first opportunity can build a culture and excitement around the Orlando Magic because they could be an interesting team. They have some pieces uh, and you know have the potential of building something here in the future. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have much to say because Wes Unseld, you know, or sorry, not Wes Unseld. We'll, we'll get into Wes Unseld here in just a minute. Uh, Jamal Murray is, uh, or Jamal, Jamal Murray. Gosh, dang it. I'm over for 2. <laughs> Strike 2. Jamal Mosley. Hey. Um, it, it, assistant coaches for, you know, successful franchise, you know, for franchises during their successful runs. Uh, like you said, the Cavs, the Nuggets, the Mavericks. Um you know, it, it's all very interesting. Um, you know, it's, time will tell, I guess. Time will tell if this guy is got the chops for it. It sure seems like he does. Sure seems like he's got the chops to be um, this next uh, head coach of the Orlando Magic. Like you said, lots of young pieces. Um, it'll be an exciting uh, thing to see uh, how he transitions from an assistant to a head coach role. Absolutely, absolutely. And the other, uh, the other hiring, as you alluded to, Wes Unsell Jr. I didn't allude to it. I just flat well, out called just, him the wrong name. You just <laughs> slipped. It's all right. It's all right. We'll count it as an illusion. Uh, yes, Wes Unsell uh, Jr. has been hired to be the new head coach of the Washington Wizards. If the name sounds familiar, his father played in the NBA. His father played for the Washington Bullets, won an NBA Finals with the Washington Bullets, was the Finals MVP, in fact. Uh, and Wes Unsell Jr., uh, has spent 16 years as an NBA assistant, including working at a time for Washington as well as Golden State, Orlando, and most recently the Denver Nuggets, where he uh, comes from as their assistant head coach. So uh, again, another hiring of an unex an inexperienced young head coach, a coach on the rise. He has ties with the with the uh, organization. He was there from 05 to 2011. Uh, and then, uh, obviously, his father uh, playing there. He started working with the Wizards organization, in fact, in 1997 after he graduated. Uh, he spent 13 years with the Washington Wizards. So this is a familiarity hire, a name on the rise, a respected name that was being considered, and they get to get, on, get in on him early. And, uh, you know, Washington, similar boat as Orlando. Young pieces. You know, obviously Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, that situation, that's not permanent. Potentially, maybe Bradley Beal is. I don't I don't know if the com combination of the two is. How that shakes out in the future remains to be seen. But Rui Achimura, uh, Denny Advia, uh, you know, some of the other players that they've brought in, young foundational pieces, room to grow for Washington and another young 
uh, African-American head coach with an opportunity uh, to build a culture, a winning culture with this team. Uh, exciting for them and, and uh, great to have those familial ties, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this guy has a pedigree. I mean, this guy has a pedigree. You know, father played in the NBA. He has 20-plus years of coaching, um, a very good reputation of player development, and um, a, a great character, great character from what I understand. Um, so, um, yeah, Wes Unseld, a very uh, solid option, or uh, solid selection, I should say, uh, by the Washington Wizard, Wizards. Um, congratulations to Wes Unseld. Yeah, I'm Got right. that head coaching job uh, after uh, really paying his dues, really paying his yeah. dues. And I'm sure very exciting times for him and his family uh, to be able to return to Washington and, and take over uh, the franchise his father once played for. Pretty uh, pretty neat stuff there, no doubt. Uh, just final bit of news here. We're going to go to the NFL. Uh, this is just a, a report uh, from, I guess, this offseason from Adam Schefter, uh, who says that Aaron Rodgers turned down a two-year extension offer this offseason from the Green Bay Packers. Uh, the deal would have tied the MVP to the Packers for five more seasons and would have made him the highest paid quarterback and player in the league. But Aaron Rodgers turned it down. And he turned it down, Mitch, because he is not interested in playing for the Packers, as has been rumored this whole time. It doesn't, it's news because it shows the severity of uh, the, the seriousness of this matter. It wasn't ever about money, clearly. He turned down money. Turned down the most money. So it wasn't ever about money. He's more likely to host Jeopardy next year than he is to play for the Green Bay Packers. I stand by that. So news, but not surprising news. Yeah, I mean, if the Packers want to keep him, make him the mayor of the city. Offer him Give the him keys. ownership of the Green Bay Packers. I mean, I mean I, like what else are you going to do? I mean, you've you got <laughs> to sell the farm to Aaron Rodgers to make him play quarterback. He doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be there, and I mean, at this point, I th- you know, is it petty? Ah, probably, it's a little petty on Aaron Rodgers' part, but he's making a point, and the point is, is that I've been a multi-time MVP for you. I brought you a Super Bowl, and you still—I've been the best quarterback in the league, or at least one of the best quarterback in the leagues for the last decade, and you still have given me no say in what we do or what how you know what kind of players I need around me. Basically it's the shut up and throw the football. You know, that's what you've told him over the last decade. Last 13, 15, you know, however many years he's been the starting quarterback there since Brett Favre left. And it, it, I don't blame him one bit. I don't blame him one bit. You need to go out and you know stand up for yourself at some point. Now do I think he'll play football this year? I think he will. I think at some point he's going to go, look, I'll play this year, but we need to, but this is not this is not over. This is not over because I think that this guy loves football enough that he's going to continue to play football. Um seems pretty happy out in his life outside of football right now. Um yeah, I mean he just married Shailene Woodley or he's going to get married to Shailene Woodley, so you know, not a bad option for him, but um you know, just uh It's just that the Packers are fighting an uphill battle with him. You might as well just, you know, either you could you can give him three wide receivers right now that are top tier wide receivers. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is still going to give in until yeah, it's he has not about that anymore. 
It's I, not, a, and you said like it's probably a level of pettiness. After 16 years, Mitch, I think he's afforded that level of pettiness. If I'm being honest, sure. You, you know what I mean? Like, what is Aaron Rodgers not given the Green Bay Packers for his entire career? I mean, he sat on the bench as a first round pick behind a Hall of Fame quarterback that they still had that he had to wait his turn to take over the team for. And ever since he took over the team, he's been uh, a Pro Bowl level, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So, yeah, if he wants to be petty on his way out and drag this out and then leave, like, I, honestly, I don't really, I don't have a problem with it. If this is how he wants to handle it, I guess that's what he want to, wants to handle it. Now, could the Packers be a Super Bowl contender, Super Bowl winner if he sticks around, if they did some things right? Sure, but, like, it's not about that anymore, clearly. It's clearly not for him. So, unsurprising, I, I do stand by he's more likely to host Jeopardy than play for the Packers. But play football, not out of the question. I would just be surprised if he actually showed up I think, uh, to, I, to the Packers this year. I'll yeah, be honest, I, this guy's I mean, he's abandoned his old family. Like, what the hell's an NFL franchise like for loyalty? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's the franchise. I think it's the game. I think it's the game for him. And so... You it's know, a power thing. It's a it's a relationship thing. It's people, specific people, where he wants to be in control. And again, after 16 years, two MVPs, a Super Bowl, like sure. here's a, here's actually yeah. the most here's okay. So here's the most realistic thing I could see happen. It's a Lev Bell situation where he doesn't play at all. He doesn't play at all, and then they're forced to they're forced to make some sort of move with him, right? And not bring him back, and because they're getting nothing from him. Right. right. So now you might as well trade him because you're not get, you're not going to get anything from him. Um, and it honestly, right now with the contract that he has, it's better to have to, to, just to trade him and he plays with someone else than to pay him and absolutely do nothing. So you know, I think that's where that's going to be at. That's probably where I see this situation happening, um, or the most likely one is he doesn't play at all, but he stays under contract with them. So yeah, it's uh, it's as far it's as hosting Jeopardy. I, I mean, it'd be it'd be great, but I don't think I don't think it'd be hosting. It seems what he's like most passionate about right now. So you he know. does love Jeopardy. He does. Yeah, he love does. Jeopardy. He really does. All right, uh, Mitch. That's it for the news. Before we wrap this podcast up, though, we have to uh, do our Mount Rushmore list for the week. Uh, we are doing the city of Atlanta. So the iconic sports figures from the city. Of Atlanta, we're talking Atlanta Braves, Atlanta Falcons, Atlanta Hawks. Great player pool to pick from. Have a number of honorable mentions. Uh, but a couple guys that really stood out that seemed like no-brainers. So let's get into this, Mitch. I'm going to give you a name I put on my list. Okay. I am certain he's on your list, so then we can sort of spend the the, the time discussing. And that's going to be Henry Aaron. Oh, yeah. Hammer Hank Hammer and Hank. And this one, we I, I, I'm going to be honest. We talked about this one. We don't usually share the list beforehand. We give them live. I find out what Mitch has. Uh, he found out what I had. But I asked him specifically about this player beforehand because Hank Aaron spent the majority of his career with the Milwaukee Brewers, his long 20-plus well, year career. It was the Braves, but Milwaukee Braves. Mil but Milwaukee, yes. Thank yeah. you. But did spend nine seasons in Atlanta with the Atlanta Braves, Nate an all-star all nine of those seasons and had some dominant runs uh, with the Braves. So it only seemed fitting 
that Hank Aaron be represented in the Atlanta Mount Rushmore. Now, if we did Milwaukee, he would also be there. Sure. <laughs> but when you're talking about Hank Aaron, he gets to double dip in multiple cities because he's Hank Aaron. Uh, he's that good of a player. So that seemed like an easy one. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's hammering Hank. He is the true all-time home run leader. Um, Barry Bonds should have an asterisk next to his uh, total there, but uh, we'll we'll uh, stay out of that for now. Um, yeah, I mean, 755 career home runs. He's a 3,000 hit guy, 3771, 305 lifetime hitter. Um, you know, he's slugged over 500 in his career. The, I mean, he's hammering Hank. How do you keep him out? But rest in peace, by the way. I know you know, he just passed away recently, but um, y- you can't leave. You can't leave Hank Aaron out of this. You can't. Yeah, no, you can't. If if you do, you're a fool. You're a fool. Crazy, so. uh, crazy that he only won one MVP, huh? Only won one MVP. He was one a- MVP. He was by my count here. He got a third place vote in MVP six times. Yeah. Never finished second in voting. Won MVP six times. He finished third. Uh, he had forty-seven home runs his his season high uh, with the when he was uh, actually in Atlanta. Uh, but yeah, just crazy to look at. Consistent, and, and that's his thing. He didn't hit fifty home run seasons. He, he never hit, he he never had a fifty home run. For, season. Forty-seven was the highest he ever had in one season. But he just always had 35 plus homers and you do that for 22 23 years and you're gonna hit the 755 that he did so and his 23 uh, years he missed two all-star games his rookie year and his last year that is insane every other year he was an all-star 1955 to 41 years old all-star every single season it's it's nuts, and he's the all-time career leader in RBIs. By the way, yeah. we'll add twenty-two ninety-seven. Wow. So. so Hank Aaron, that was an easy one. Mitch, what did you have next? So my next one, uh, and I hope I hope he's on yours. He may not be, um, but I'm sticking with the Braves, and I'm going Chipper Jones. Chipper, okay. I I love Chipper Jones. I mean, I'm a big Chipper Jones guy, but. Um, you know, what he meant to that 2000s era type Braves team, um, his ability to hit from both sides of the plate, you know, he was in some circles regarded as the next Mickey Mantle, the next switch hitting power hitter. Um, and in some respects he was, um, he had 45 home runs in 1999. He was a, he was a 30, uh, around a 30 home run guy for the majority of his career, you know, uh, barring the last four years of his career when he really started to kind of um, feel his age. Um, but uh, yeah, the guy is just, you know, you think of him as one of the, one of those key members of that Braves team of the late of the nineties and the two thousands. And uh, Chipper, a Florida guy close to Atlanta you have to think about, you know, what he meant to that region. And Chipper is just, he's an easy pick. He's an easy pick for me. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, Chipper is a great one. And Chipper was a, a, an honorable mention for me. Uh, okay. But I did not have Chipper on my Mount Rushmore. In fact, uh, I'm just going to say this now. Hank Aaron, my only Atlanta Brave. Oh. Uh, so the, on, the, the other name I was debating heavily was not Chipper Jones, but it was John Smoltz. 
20 okay. years with the Braves, Hall of Famer, obviously had time as a starter, time as a closer, uh, and, and just so much time with Atlanta that uh, between Chipper and, and some of the other pitchers you could have potentially put in for the Braves, Smoltz was the one guy that almost made it for me. Uh, but, uh, but I did, uh, but I did not have chipper. So, uh, Hank Aaron, Chipper Jones for Mitch so far. I'm going to go next here. And I think you have this guy on your list. I'm going to go Dominique Wilkins. Yeah. Dominique. Yeah. The great for the, uh, Atlanta Hawks, uh, known for his dunking ability, Dominique, uh, an incredible athlete, an incredible career, uh, spent 12 seasons with Atlanta, started eight, 1982 all the way through the 1994 season where he left halfway to go to the Clippers and bounced around uh, a few teams as his career winded down. But the vast majority of his career uh, with the Atlanta Hawks, nine-time All-Star, Hall of Famer, seven-time All-NBA player, uh, and basically all of that was done at during his time with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Dominique's one of the game's uh, greatest, definitely the greatest Atlanta Hawk uh, player of all time, in my opinion. So an easy entrant for the Mount Rushmore here. It, it, top 50 player of all time? Easily? Probably. I, I would say easily. Dominique's got to be on there. Um, yeah, uh, Neek's on there for sure. you you, you got to get him on there. Uh, an all-star from 1985 through 1994. Um, it played, I guess, yeah, that would be the, the Clippers, the Celtics, the Spurs, and the Magic were kind of those last teams that he wound up with. And but. played overseas, played with Panathinaikos in Greece for a little bit in between at the, you know, the late 30s stage at, of his career. So kind of pretty interesting career at, path at the end. At his height, Dominique was a highlight reel. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the guy, the guy was a highlight reel. Dominique, yeah, easy one. Easy yeah. one for me. All right, uh, so you had him as well. So you're, you've are you only got one name left. Uh, I guess go ahead. Who's your who's your final entrant here? So before we started this podcast, I asked you, uh, I this is my Mount Rushmore. I can carve it however I want, right? So I'm the artist of this Mount Rushmore. I can carve it right. however I want. So imagine Hank Aaron's face. Imagine Chipper Jones' face. Imagine Dominique's face. And then on the fourth face, it's a cluster of three faces. Okay, well, I don't know if we could bend the rules this much. It's my segment. I'll do it however the you hell I want. You can't have Hydra on your, you know, so you can have multiple. Like, what is this? No, you can. You can have. There's four names, Mitch. You can't put seven, six people nope, on Mount Rushmore. No, nope, no, you can't. You can in this one because it's the Atlanta Big Three. The Braves Big Three. Glavin, Maddox, Smoltz. All deserve to be on there. 11 years together on this pitching staff. You look at what Tom Glavin did in Atlanta. Uh, 22 years in the league. What's that? He wins over 200 games for Atlanta. Look at Greg Maddox. A majority of his career spent with Atlanta. He wins 355. He wins over 150 games for Atlanta. You look at John Smoltz. Almost all of his time spent with Atlanta, except for his last years with Boston and St. Louis, he won 213 games. Not to mention, he also picks up 154 saves in his career. You're talking about, um, you're you're talking about, you know, 60 something saves and almost 500 wins with this three-headed monster in Atlanta. 
You can't leave one of them off. You can't leave all of them as a unit. This this was the team. This was the face of the 90s baseball because the Braves were the we're the team of the 90s in baseball. And you cannot leave the Atlanta Big 3 off. So, we have Hank Aaron, we have Chipper Jones, we have Dominique Wilkins, and then we have this cluster of three heads there, a little hydra as you call it. And it is Glavin Maddox Smoltz on there. Give me the big three for Atlanta's pitching staff of the 1990s, early 2000s. I, if I knew we could do this in LA, I would have had a hell of a lot more players. I'll tell you that. But no, uh, no, but no, but you can't, you can't group anyone up. Like I could have just grouped Kareem and Magic and been like, oh, the, no, uh, the this was no, the can't. run. This no, was can't. the guys. No, you can't. I could have grouped Kobe and Shaq as one and been like the Kobe and Shaq duo. No, you can't. No, you can't. Yes, I can. If because you could do this, you just pulled three players and put them together. No, 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 you can't because Kobe basketball is an individualistic sport. It's a, it, it's a sport based on individual. No, it's not. It's a team sport. No, nah, nah, I don't know There's about that. There's only five players on the court, Mitch. It's got to be a team sport. It's not one on five. It's not how it works. No. When you're a pitcher, it's just you and the catcher we just, we just and the batter. About, we know we just talked to bas- basketball for almost an hour and ten minutes. And what did we talk about? Individual impact on a team. We, we never talked about Giannis because Giannis is that level, but not every player in the NBA is that level. Talk, it's we, a, we it's talk, a team sport. No, Come on. We just, and no. comparing it to a pitcher. Like, that's a team player. That guy's just pitching to a catcher. And someone's oh, got to hit oh, it. He's not are, playing with the team. That's the most disgusting thing you've ever said. You just said basketball was an individual sport. No, that's the most disgusting thing you ever said. How dare you? Disparaging you baseball like that. Basketball's an individual sport. But baseball's not. There. Okay, well, I don't know mind. how you get six people on your Mount Rushmore, but I don't think that counts. But I guess it does. We'll have it's to my do it mountain. This week. I'll carve it I guess the hell so. I want. Next week, I'm coming with ten people on my Mount Rushmore. Do uh, it if I'm, you I'm can gonna... give me an exam. If you can give me a clear. I mean, I can just say whatever I want. Ex- no, 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 no. If you can give me a clear explanation, you as just to why... named three people that played together at the same time and decided that they get to count as a hydra. But I can't count Kobe and Shaq, even though they did the same thing that you're describing. Played all at the same time during a dominant stretch of an era. Okay, fine. Maybe Kobe and Shaq get the pass. Just saying. But you know what? Just you saying. can't. You can't. You can't just do that to anyone. And this 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 group of guys warrants it. No, well, I think you should have picked one. Okay, so how about this? For the sake of the argument, I'm not gonna like. It's your list. You can carve your marriage wherever you want. I will. If you had to pick one I of want. them, if you had to pick one of them, who would you have picked? You have um, to pick one gun to your head. Who's the guy that makes it on? It's between Smoltz and Glavin. Probably just because Maddox played in multiple other, you know, with, with a few other teams. It's probably Smoltz. Smoltz. Okay. Yeah. And fair enough. And I, again, like I'd mentioned him as an honorable mention for the same reason. I mean, he spent Lavin 20 years with the second. team, uh, you know, like incredible run with them. And it's just a guy I think of when I think, when I think of Glavin too, I also think of his time with the Mets. I think of Maddox. I think of his time with the Cubs. Smoltz, you only think of the Braves, right? You only think of Atlanta. I think that sort of means something in this, in this. Yeah. Argument. Did you That's, know that he played with the Red Sox and the, and the, and the Cardinals? I, didn't I knew know that. he played for a couple teams at the end of his career. No idea who they were though. Didn't remember that. Just knew he played for somebody else at one point. <laughs> I, I, I had forgotten. But, I, 
Yeah. Yeah, I had forgotten that. So I did not know those teams. Okay, well, I I mean, I only have two so far. Hank Aaron and Dominique. Those are the only two we got uh, similar here. I'm going to go with the guy who I knew you were debating. Surprised you didn't go this direction, though. Uh, and that's Michael Vick. Yeah. I'm putting Michael Vick on here. I'm surprised, one, that you didn't have any Atlanta Falcons on there. We'll get to that in a second. But Michael Vick, just iconic when you think of the Atlanta Falcons. And I know... You know, he, he's had a, a journey of life. Had some low, high highs and some low lows. Uh, spent, spent six years in Atlanta and what he did on the field, what he did to invigorate fan base, an NFL fan base. I mean, you and I grew up as kids idolizing Michael Vick because what he was doing was unlike anybody in the league. And that was incredible. I mean, you would play him in Madden because he was a cheat code. It was a cheat code to play with Michael Vick in Madden. So we were inevitably fans of Michael Vick as a player. And I think that means something. And when I thought of Atlanta sports, it's just one of the names that came to mind. And I, I make this list pretty simple for me. So the names that come to mind, the people I think of, who can I make a stronger argument for? And Michael Vick had to be on there for me. So uh, Michael Vick, my third uh, name on Mount Rushmore. Yeah, that was a tough one for me to leave off. I just, um, like I've forgiven him. For the atrocities that he's sure. done, I've forgiven him. Um, seems repentant by all means, you know. Seems absolutely, to have absolutely. Done what he needs to do. You know? Absolutely. I just, you know, if we're carving a mountain at Mount Rushmore in Atlanta, I don't know if Mike Vick is one that everyone would be on board with having on there. So you know. Yeah, but it is your your list. And not everyone is on board with six people on Mount Rushmore. So I, you know, oh my God, you are just out of, you're out of pocket, dude. Like I just, you, you put six people on your list. I'm just saying. No, I, uh, no, I did I have, not put six. I have four people like normal Mount Rushmores, and I've got to get to my fourth here. My fourth guy, the one I have to make the biggest argument for, but one I feel 100 percent good with putting on here, and that is Dion Sanders. Okay, I think. We kind of overthink primetime a little bit here. And yes, spent five years in Atlanta, beginning of his career in Atlanta. You can make an argument he was more notable, more known, more popular during his time with the Dallas Cowboys. But first off, he's not making a Dallas Mount Rushmore. I can tell you that straight up. It's not making it. He's probably not in consideration. But in Atlanta, I think you make a case for him. Dion had some of his best seasons with the Falcons, including two three Pro Bowls, and two All-Pro seasons. Not only was he playing great defense at that time, six picks, seven picks during you know during seasons with Atlanta. This was also when he was a top-notch special teamer and kick returner. Had punt return touchdowns in his first two seasons in Atlanta. Had one and two kick return touchdowns in two separate seasons as a kick returner in Atlanta. So in the seasons that they contributed him on special teams, he was huge for the Falcons as well. Contributed on defense, contributed on special teams. To me, I don't know. Dion, that is like, that's sort of who I thought of. Again, when I, th- I think of the names of who I'm thinking, Atlanta Falcons, you know, who comes to mind? Dion, Dion was one of them. Primetime was one of them. And you wouldn't put him on for Dallas. So, you know, for me, Atlanta, it made sense. I think if there's one that I boot, it'd be chipper for Dion. Um, Dion. While he played for the Falcons, he also played for the Atlanta Braves. 
Exactly. So, and I didn't, um, I was saving that one in case I got some pushback on the argument for him. I was going to, that was my, uh, that was my like lucky, like, uh, how about this one? But yes, yeah, I mean, he, he, he was one of those play for the Atlanta Braves as well. He was a two sport athlete. Um, he had eight homers. In 1992 with the Atlanta Braves in a season. A season oh. that he had 300 at-bats. I mean, that's pretty – I mean, hey, give him some credit. This is his best season. Okay. Batted 300. Right. He batted 300 in 300 at-bats. That's great. That's fantastic. I'm give happy Give the man his credit is all I'm saying at the same right. time as being an all-pro NFL player. I just think that Dion has too many associations with too many franchises. Dion's I think been what, around the block, but besides Dallas, though, you're not associating him with anybody else. Uh, maybe you know. that, it, no, yeah. I mean, there's that one yeah, year. The in one San- year with San Francisco, which was like his defensive player of the year year. I mean, it was a great year, but like you know, Fantastic it was like a year. one-off. Yeah, it was just like a. Uh, but a, you know, he had like Kawhi ju- in Toronto. You know. Came for a visit, said hello, had a fantastic year, and then he went on his way. You know? Had just as many All-Pro and Pro Bowl selections with Dallas as he did Atlanta. Right. So, um, you right. know, that's not really a knock against him. It's just that, you know, you associate him with kind of floating around. But if you were thinking of, you know, he also played for the Braves the same time he played for the Falcons, then yes, absolutely, Dion belongs on here. And that's why he's on my honorable mentions. Like I'm not forgetting sure. about Dion. I'm not forgetting sure. about him at all. Um, Prime time's just hard to put on a on a list because you associate him with too many different things. And yeah. that's not it's not it's not a knock on him. You just you know he he was a journeyman. You know he play, I mean and and yes five seasons with the Falcons five seasons with a Dallas journey, a couple seasons in another in couple other places. Uh, a, a, journey, you know, a journeyman in the best sense of the word because he was great wherever he went. It wasn't like he needed to go to 20 different places to figure out what kind of player he was. He was great yeah. wherever he went. So Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so, okay, that's our that's it for our Mount Rushmore's. I had Hank Aaron, Dominique Wilkins, Michael Vick, and Deion Sanders. Uh, Mitch had Hank Aaron, Dominique Wilkins, Chipper Jones, and then a Hydra Cluster threesome of Tom Glavin, Greg Maddox, and John Smoltz. Any other honorable mentions that we haven't already mentioned that didn't make the lists? Any other names that floated out there uh, that you considered? I had Dikembe Mutombo for his time in Atlanta and uh, Bob Pettit, an old school oh, Atlanta Bob Pettit's name. a good Bob Pettit's a great one. Um, you know, there was... There was a lot of Braves guys that you could have thrown out there. There was Tony Pendleton, um, or Gary Pendleton, uh, excuse me. Um, it, Sid Bream, who was known for the, the slide at home to beat uh, the Twins, uh, or sorry, no, the Pirates, to beat the Pirates, because that was the last year that Barry Bonds was in Pittsburgh. Barry Bonds made the throw at home. Um, so, you know, there's these iconic moments that come with Braves. There's a lot of Braves. There's a lot of Braves, Dallin. Um no, but, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't have a single Falcon, though. And I, I thought about in a Julio. Direction. I thought about Julio for a second. Julio's an interesting one. I think hindsight will make us associate that more, potentially. Yeah. And you know what? In the future, Trey Young may be a, a, a candidate for this. Because Eight. if he sticks with Atlanta, Trey Young is a, a an exceptional young talent that still has a lot to prove in the NBA. But, you know, 10 years down the road, is Trey Young on this Mount Rushmore? If he's a Hawk, maybe. So, yeah, yeah, I think Trey Young is a great one. And, and while we're projecting forward with young talent, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. 
You know? Oh, Ronald Cooney I mean, Jr. If, we're, if we're projecting forward as a guy who could find himself on this list and we wouldn't be surprised in 20 years, Ozzy I mean, Albies. keep an eye on that kid. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, Ozzy Albies. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if, if Calvin Ridley. Sure. I mean, Kyle Pitts. Are we talking about Kyle Pitts 10 years from now as being one of the greats? Who knows? There's a lot of, uh, lot of potential in Atlanta right now. A lot of potential athletically in Atlanta. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Uh, well, that's it for the Mount Rushmore segment, and that is it for the podcast, folks. It's been a pleasure uh, being with you today. It's been a pleasure talking about these NBA playoffs and this season as it has come to an end. Offseason begins, and we will be talking about it there. But, Mitch, we are winding down the month of July, getting close to August, and that is time for the NFL. Yeah. Time for training camp, time for season previews uh, as we sort of look ahead of the NFL season. And that's what's to expect here on the podcast over the next couple weeks, next six weeks or so until the NFL season kicks off. 50 days as of today of recording, July 21st, 50 <laughs> days till the NFL season kicks off. So I'm, I'm getting so stoked. I'm getting so stoked, man. The NFL's almost here. It's my favorite time of year. Get the, the weather cooled down and the football start rolling. I love it. Absolutely. So you want to be tuned in with us uh, as we get into this season of sports. So if you do not already, follow us on Twitter at Sports Hour Guys, Instagram at the Sports Hour Guys, the TikTok at the Sports Hour Guys. Uh, give us a follow on all those socials uh, to keep updated with all the content that we're putting out. As far as the podcast, Mitch, tell the people why they should be tuned in on Anchor. Well, you should be tuned in on Anchor because that's the only way you can get part of the conversation. Leave us a voice message. Give us a take that you feel like you need you need to be heard. And there's nowhere else other than the Sports Hour that that will be heard. We need to have your voice messages on here so we'll make you part of the conversation, a part of the show. Um, go ahead and give us a listen on Apple or Apple Podcast, Apple Fi. Oh my gosh, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, go ahead and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Tell us we suck. That's the only way we can get better. Dallin, tomorrow or the next time we record, we are hitting triple digits, my friend. We got something big planned for you, so you don't want to miss it. Stick around for episode 100. We got something good going on. Great tease, my friend, because, yes, we are coming up on the 100th episode of the Sports Hour. We've got a fun show planned for you so you won't want to miss it as my good buddy Mitch Mo said uh, so look forward to that on your podcast feed coming up and we will catch you next week see ya see ya